worse. How can things get any worse? Take a look around you, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. Welcome in to the Bro Force Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 95. Could I say that number right? It's a great or year. 20, 2019. It was a great year. Christmas movie watch list. I'm your host, the mayor, Jeff Hornacek. Before we get started with the movie discussion, let's go around and meet the fellow bros. And first we go into the lab to the mad scientist, Brian Banner. Banner, what concoction will you be cooking up this year for Santa to leave at your house? Probably the same as always. It's a staple. It's tradition. Why break tradition? Brownies and beer. But is there something fun in those brownies, though? Uh, yeah, how- it depends. It depends on if you're naughty or nice that year. <laughs> Why does that feel sexual? I don't. I don't. So know. Santa don't gets know. Santa gets so fucked up at your house that like everyone else in your neighborhood is just shit out of luck, right? Yeah, sorry. Santa should have experienced special. going to their house so many times that he plans it to go be the last house he visits. Yeah, I no no, it's not the last house. It's like the fourth from last house. So he's like, all right, I'm gonna I gotta eat these brownies and I gotta get home. I got these last three, so it should be kicking in right as I right as the reindeer land. So if he, I know the reindeer technically like power the sleigh, but he does steer them with the reins. If he got pulled over, would that be considered a DUI? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Really. Yeah. Oh yeah, man! He can't be doing that. He's got to throw the keys out of the back of the of the slot or something. Yeah. That, but then the the then the cop will be like, number one, why did you why do you not have keys? Number two, complete opposite direction. Why would you need them? And also, don't the reindeer know the path by now? They've been doing it for thousands of years, right? I mean, how how complex is it? I don't know, man. But like, it, I could see him just coming down the chimney, Banner sitting on the couch, like sup, and they just have a beer together, and then he fucking skips the rest of his houses. <laughs> I totally have a beer with Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next we go to our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli. So, Ronnie, speaking of Santa, if I were to catch him or any of his reindeer trespassing on my property this year, what type of legal recourse would I have at my disposal to try and get a nice little payday in time for the new year? I, you absolutely need to shoot him and hold him hostage. Mrs. Claus will both. <laughs> yeah, shoot. just just would... kneecap him. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I have a damaged Santa or possibly a dead Santa held hostage. Like the, the price just... goes. <laughs> is it still is it still holding him hostage? Is it, if he's dead? Look, if he's breaking and entering into your house without your permission, you can do whatever you want with him. And you know, Mrs. Claus doesn't need to know if he's dead or alive. That felt sexual. Why is this like the most sexual intros we've ever done? <laughs> and they literally have zero to do with sex. No. <laughs> tell, tell Mrs. Claus she's got to go down on her knees if she wants to see him. You know what? Like a shameless plug. You know what did actually get overtly sexual? Our Santa Claus is coming to town movie commentary. In a really Matt, weird way. Matt talking about like how sexless the marriage is between Santa and Mrs. Claus and how it's created all these problems at the North Pole. <laughs> Did he say, do the, do the elves get involved? Yeah, he said, like, she's clearly fucking, like, the a couple of the elves, like, the main elf. Yeah, like, and the main one showed up. Santa's such a cuck that he knows it and doesn't even care. It goes off the rails. All right. So, if you've listened to our show before, then you know that we start every episode off with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chest day. And our chest day today starts with one of my favorite quotes from a TV show ever. Ho, 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 pimp! 
tis the season, and we wanted to discuss what's on our Christmas watch list this year. So before we get to the presents, our end-of-the-year show, our 2020 movie preview show, and of course the audio we record every year of Geiger going on a drunken tirade at the Christmas dinner table against the Taiwanese government. Let's talk about what we're watching this holiday season. So Banner had a great idea here. So we're each going to share two Christmas staples that we have. So two Christmas movies that we watch basically every year on a rotation. And then a Christmas movie that either everyone else seems to like that we just can't get behind. Or honestly, a Christmas movie that's really popular, well-known, that we just haven't fucking seen. Which could be uh, a little interesting here. I was looking at some of the older ones and I'm like, haven't seen that, haven't seen that. Uh, so how about we each go around and say our two Christmas staples every single year in Banner, since it was your idea, of course. Why don't you open your present first? All right. So I don't think this is any shock to anybody, but Christmas with the Cranks. I don't like it, ironically. I genuinely like it. I think it's a fun, silly movie. I think Tim Allen is just fun old Tim Allen that we knew from the 90s in that in that movie again. It's just a fun movie. Watch it every single year. Is uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's wife in that? Yes. Okay. Second and they thing. have really good chemistry. Re- they they play off each other really well. What is the I, name of the? Sorry, Cycle. Go ahead. I was going to say, what's the name of the Christmas movie? It's similar to that with Matthew Broderick and fuck. Is it Rita Wilson plays his wife? I'll look it up. I have like, no idea what. I don't know. I don't know if I ever heard. So that. I actually haven't seen it. Um, can you give me a brief synopsis? Are they just a wacky family like a lot of other Christmas movies? So it's Tim Allen's the the dad and Jamie Lee Curtis is the mom. And they have a daughter who instead of coming home for Christmas for college, she is going to stay in like Peru or something with her new boyfriend. Uh, so they decide we're going to go on a cruise over Christmas and their neighborhood is really into Christmas. And then all of a sudden her, uh, their daughter calls and says, uh, hey, I'm bringing my boyfriend home for Christmas because I was telling him what it is and they don't have that here. So I want to show him how we do Christmas. And it's them having like three days to get everything ready for uh, Christmas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so the Matthew Broderick movie is called Deck the Halls and it has Danny DeVito in it. That sounds like a way better movie. I'll well, watch Danny DeVito. So. It's, it's from 2006. It's basically like two neighbors completely competing to see who decorates their Christmas house better. And All hilarity right. ensues. Oh, man. Wacky stuff. I uh, almost included, and this is kind of a spoiler alert, I guess, but not really because it's not the one I chose, but I almost included that as to my Christmas movie that I haven't seen because I have not seen it. It's on, like, uh, Freeform every year. Such a Freeform movie. It is, it's a total Freeform movie. God. What's your other one? My other one is Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, it's a Halloween movie. So. No, it is not. It's a Christmas movie. I always forget which side of the argument I'm on. I do too. I always switch. I think I'm the Christmas side, to be honest. Well, it's it's, a, it's about Christmas. It's about him trying to bring Christmas joy to Halloween Town. Yeah, but the song is This is Halloween. Like, I can't be in the Christmas spirit singing This is Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Like, I don't know. I go back and forth. I don't know. It's a Christmas movie. It has Christmas in its name. It doesn't have Halloween in its name. It's a, the general idea behind it. General idea. His name is Jack Skellington. <laughs> okay, because he's from Halloween Town. He, he it's about 
just like we were talking about. Banner, I don't think saying he's from Halloween Town helps support that it's not a Halloween movie. No, it is because he's trying to bring Christmas joy to them. That's all it is. I also don't think it's bullshit because I'm pretty sure, and I'm not going to dig it up on past episodes, but I'm pretty sure I'm the one that gets to argue that it's a Christmas movie. I think you flip sides, and I don't I have care not enough to flip sides. <laughs> I swear, I've been on it's a Christmas movie for a long time. I just think the point is we have to argue about it. So fuck you. It's a Halloween movie. If there's any of our fans out there, please comment below and tell us what side we're on. Honestly, I think it should be a Thanksgiving movie. You should watch it at Thanksgiving. There we go. That's splitting that's, the difference. That's many in the middle, which we never do on this pod. So no, I will argue it to the death. I'll say this, though, and we've kind of shit on this guy in recent years, but I think that's the last good Tim Burton movie. Like, remember when we looked at, like, his filmography? Yeah. It's pretty dicey after that. He just did something recently that I was Dumbo? like, I had... Yeah! You I like had no it? idea. Did I like it? Yeah. Uh, I've only watched, like, 30 minutes of it. Well, Cycle probably loved it because Danny DeVito was in it. Oh, yeah, with his magnum dong. I was going to say, get his dick out of your mouth. Jesus. <laughs> All right, Cycle, what are your uh, Christmas staple movies? So I will start with my second favorite, which is A Christmas Story. And I know you guys just did the commentary on that. But as everyone knows, they do the 24 hours of A Christmas Story on TNT every year, starting at 7 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And my family has had that tradition since I was a little kid, uh, since the first Christmas I can remember. Um, we In don't 1997. Ever... Yeah, probably. And um, we, uh, I remember we always, we never sit and watch the whole movie. Never have we ever sat and just watched the film. We put it on TNT starting at 7, and we turn off TNT starting at 7 the next night. And throughout the whole day and Christmas and presents and lunch and dinner, we we are able to watch the whole movie in a kind of disjointed form but it's just always been our tradition and you know we can quote the whole movie uh, so it's not christmas without it. i wouldn't say it's my favorite christmas movie ever but it's just it just is christmas day to me and then my no oh, go ahead i was gonna say normally i would poo poo that but because there is such a strong family tradition behind it, it makes total sense and i'll get into my thoughts after re-watching it on a commentary because i have historically been hard on the movie on the podcast yeah, i i'm just gonna say that i don't know that I had ever in my life seen that movie uh, in one setting until we'd yeah. recently recorded that commentary because it's always on TV, TNT. And it was 1997 because Geiger looked it up while we did the commentary. That's when they started doing the 24-hour A Christmas Story. That's, they started, that's awesome. So, yeah, I would have been 9, 10 years old. So, um, yeah, like I said, I agree. It's probably not the best movie out there, but it's just such a staple in our household. Uh, but this one, I will die on a hill defending my favorite Christmas movie of all time, The Muppets Christmas Carol. We have talked about that movie before on this podcast. We did a commentary, I think last year on it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. There's not, every song is a fucking banger in that, in that movie. My, I mean, from, from Gonzo and Rizzo narrating, uh, Michael Caine to being like taking the role absolutely seriously as scrooge from start to finish he sells it the whole time i mean there is not one bad scene in that movie i was actually genuinely afraid of that movie when i was a kid oh yeah play the ghost of christmas future my god uh, but i could quote that whole movie um it just 
I, it is literally will always be my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, also, I've heard that every day in every way, Scrooge is getting worse. I mean, I, we've talked about this before. Like, I'd be pissed off if I was Scrooge, too. Yeah, I mean, the people in the town are assholes to him. They make his life really, really miserable. <clears throat> Great one. Check out our Muppet Christmas Carol movie commentary, one of our most fun holiday ones that we did. I totally forgot we did that. Yeah, that, was that last year or two years ago? I think it was last year. Yeah, no, I think. Uh, I don't remember. Cycle was visiting me when we did it. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that two years ago. Yeah, because I think I don't think Baby Banner was born yet. Yeah, well, it was a classic still. Um, my two first one is one that might be a little bit off the radar because it's a little bit older, but it's a movie called All I Want for Christmas. I think this is from like 92 or 93. I talk about this a lot, I think. But it stars Ethan Embry and Thora Birch, who is probably most famous for being Kevin Spacey's daughter in uh, American Beauty. But it's just a classic tale. It's about a brother and sister whose parents are divorced. It's their first Christmas with them separated. And the little girl asks Santa to get them back together for Christmas. And her older brother, played by Ethan Embry, there's no magic or anything fucking stupid in it, but her older brother, Ethan Embry, basically takes it upon himself to try and get them back together so that she won't, like, lose faith in Santa Claus and, like, the magic of Christmas. It's like a family comedy. Kevin Nealon from SNL is in it, like, probably around the time he was doing Weekend Update. And it's just a feel-good movie, man. I've watched it probably every year, literally every year since I was maybe like four or five years old. All I Want for Christmas. If you have not seen it, I cannot recommend it highly. You've been, you've been trucking this down our throats for a while now, so I, I guess it's probably about time we watch it. Nothing would make me happier than you viewing that movie. It's great. Maybe I'll get that for you for Christmas. And my last one here, I had a tie between two movies. So... They're both comedies. The first one is, I think, just really relatable for me, and that's Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn and, and Reese Witherspoon. It's a great one. Just because I'm about to get married here in May, and that's going to be, like, our lives at Christmas, like, trying to see, because, you know, two divorced families and trying to make sure you see everybody throughout the day, give everybody their time, get to see all your loved ones. And I just love Vince Vaughn. Like, Geiger and I are absolutely obsessed with the scene where they go to the church service and he gets tabbed to play Joseph in the yep. nativity play. And he's like trying to put his own spin on Joseph and like how he would react to finding out that Mary's pregnant with the baby Jesus. Okay. Now I have to see this movie. Yeah. He's like, God, there's oh, so great. many ways I can go with this. John Favreau's in it. Yeah. When he's like, there's so many ways I can go with this. It's like, please don't. And he's like workshopping his character in the back. Um, and then my last one is, uh, the night before with Seth Rogen, Anthony Mackie and, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt where, cause to me, this is just like, so something we would do, but the plot synopsis is, uh, the three high school friends have a tradition where every new year's Eve, they used to just go out in New York city where they live and just get obliterated drunk. And Seth Rogen is having a child due in like a month or so. So it's, they basically say it's the last time they're going to do this. They're retiring the tradition. And they go out and get extra fucked up that night. Um, and I love it because, number one, that's totally something we would do. But number two, there is a scene where at one point in the middle of the night, they just go back to Anthony Mackie's house and play Goldeneye on N64. Oh, my <laughs> God. Each other. Hell, yeah. 
You could have sold me on just a movie about that. Yeah, so that that to me was like the most... I was like, dude, this is so realistic right now. Because they're at the bar and they're fucked up. And he's like, do you want to go home and play Goldeneye? And Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like offended that he even asked him that. And then one of them gets mad. He's like, you can't play as Odd Job. You absolutely can. That's cheating. Odd job. He's too short. That's not his problem. Dude, you're just a fucking snake in the grass. I bet you like to play with golden guns, too. You know, you could press, I think it's R and C down, and you yourself will, will kneel down, and you can move like that. It just, it even yeah, but up. the C down button is not in a place where you can really... <laughs> yeah, nobody uses that button. Here, dude, unless it's I use it. Others. You can straight with it. Come on, get it. Um, all right, so let's go around and talk about the uh, Christmas movie that either we haven't seen or that we have seen and we just don't get it. I don't, we do not understand why people like it so much. Let's go reverse order. Cycle you first. I'm gonna get yelled at for this. I've never seen Christmas Vacation. What? Yeah, it's just, I've never, it's never happened. All right, I know what we're doing this weekend. I'm appalled. I'm not, it's not that I'm one of those people that don't want to watch it because people like it you know like it's like oh it's such a staple that i'm gonna love dying on that hill that i oh i've never seen it uh no i just i've seen scenes i've seen famous shots of the movie i've always seen some of the quotes i can't recall one moment in my life where i've actually sat and seen that movie so i know it definitely needs to change i know my my sister loves the movie it's, it's just never happened for me you know i've been waiting my whole life wow. and it just hasn't come along interesting I did not know that. I no. that just seems so hard because that one's on TV a lot too. I yeah, you know, I really feel like it, big weight lifted off my chest right now. I really appreciate you guys letting me letting me say that. I don't know. I mean, don't act like you're forgiven. Yeah, or anything. We'll talk later. Jeez, that one appalls me. All right, Banner, how about you? I have never seen Elf. Really? Wow. That's okay. on TV more than anything. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I I I don't really like Will Ferrell, uh, and that was kind of at the end of his he's kind of funny stage for me. Um, and I just I don't know I never saw it. I saw a scene where he puts like syrup on spaghetti, and that just grossed me out. And so I was like, I'm not I'm not ever gonna go back and watch this. You you should give it a shot. Absolutely. So I I, I can understand Will Ferrell can be a little much, but that movie is really wholesome. It's good. See, Geiger, I would expect this from because John Favreau directed it, and obviously he he hates him and John Favreau have a spat dating back, yeah, they seemingly decades. But for you, who's like, I don't want to say the Favreau guy, but I think you like most Favreau work, right? Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of most of his work. I don't know, man. I, just, I thought you'd be all in on this. Yeah, I don't know. All right, Brian, we're getting together this weekend. We're just going to watch some Christmas movies. Yep, sounds like a plan. Sounds... All right, Jeff, what's your never seen? So I don't have anything like as fun as those, but two things I wrote down. So number one, this might not even be a big deal, but I've actually never seen any of the sequels to The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. So I've never seen the second one, the third one. I don't, did they make a – that's all they made, right? It just seems like too many of them. Yeah, I don't know. I think I saw the second one. I, I've never seen the third one. I think the third one is Martin Short as Jack Frost. I think yeah. that's the one. Yeah, I and think his that's son, the third one. In the third one, his son Charlie has grown up and is like a shithead kid. It's kind of like the plot to it. Hmm. Okay. But I've never seen any of those. But the main thing I want to say is there there is one movie in particular that people – it's like a cult classic. And I 
can't even sit through it. And that is Bad Santa with Billy Bob Thornton. I've seen that movie like once or twice, and I just think it's fucking awful. Like I don't, I don't know another way to to say it. I think it's it's horrible. been a long time for me. I did like it, uh, but it's but it definitely is not one of those movies for everyone. Billy Bob Thornton's always a really hit or miss for me. Uh, it's just like him but, him being an asshole to a kid. Like it's not really. Yeah. Fun. yeah, I remember watching it, and I don't remember not hating it. But I was I remember saying like yeah I'll probably never see that again like it just there's so many other better options Absolutely. of Christmas movies and I definitely didn't see the second one they made a second one didn't they or am I making that up yeah they did actually they did badder like, Santa yeah no like I, it was just like bad Santa two or something yeah. fucking stupid mm. no like I think that's it I I think I would agree with you completely I remember seeing it remember being like oh there's some funny parts and not thinking much of it. And then I don't think I've ever seen it again. Um, the other one is kind of in the same vein. I don't even know if you guys would even go to bat for this movie, but Scrooged with Bill Murray, which is like a darker comedic take on a Christmas Carol. Never seen it. No interest in seeing it, even though I love Groundhog Day. It just, it's not. No, I'm it, same it, boat. I remember I got into a discussion with someone. We were talking about just variations of Christmas Carol. And I was like, you can't get more perfect than the Muppet Christmas Carol. Why am I going to waste time and watch any other variation of it? Charles Dickens would watch Muppet's Christmas Carol and be like, that's exactly what I was going for. Why yeah. would he do any other version? And the last one that I wanted to add here, coming back to a Christmas story. So I've been pretty hard on it on the podcast. And after we rewatched it on the commentary, I don't love it, but I do think I was a little bit too harsh. And I think, you know grown adults need to admit when they were, you know, a little bit wrong or out of line. And no, it's not in my top five of Christmas movies, but it's definitely not as bad as I made it out to be. Did you just see it as a kid and not like it? Like what made it bad to you? I think a lot of it as a kid was like the time period it was set in. Like I just had no connection to like essentially like the stock market crash. Excuse me. What was it like? That was like set in the forties. I just saw it and I already can't remember. But to me, like, more contemporary Christmas movies were always way more relatable and fun. Um, and I just didn't think Ralphie was that. I don't know. But looking back, I realized how many movies have copied the trope of, like, his imagination. Uh-huh. Take, like, the comedic things that they do with what Ralphie's imagining. Like, there's a scene where, like, uh, bank robbers are, like, climbing over the fence in his backyard. <laughs> and he He's needs... Right, he needs the Red Rider to like protect his house. That was hilarious on a rewatch. Yeah, I always loved. I don't know. I always loved his little like when he's dreaming of he getting soap poisoning and and all his little visions. But I I always found that movie so quotable. You know, like you can talk about the fudge or the fragile. Like I I don't know. I've always had it as a special place. But again, that's that's probably because of the family tradition. And cycle, I kind of wish you were on the commentary because the uh, the tongue getting stuck to the pole with the frost. I mean, Dumb and Dumber totally ripped that off, and I don't feel like anyone ever talked about that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just a little more wholesome in in Christmas stories. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) All right, before we move on to Protein Shake, anything you guys want to add about your Christmas watch list, Bane, are you first? Uh, Nope. I mean, I think that there's some that, unfortunately, as they make better Christmas movies, there's some that get knocked off and we kind of forget about them. Christmas with the Cranks next year, done. Forget about it. No, you should watch it. It's, It's fun. I'll try. Enjoyable. It's likely about you. 
I'll give a, a shout out to a guilty pleasure. Uh, love Actually, it's pretty terrible, but I always love watching it. I don't think it's bad at all. I like Love it's, Actually. It's pretty bad if you really think about it. What's I mean, bad about it? I mean, it's so overdone and corny and not authentically realistic at all. Okay. But... the the one The one story that I could definitely do without is the whole Kira Knightley and the guy from The Walking oh, Dead. Yeah, yeah, like that whole thing is weird and creepy. I don't. I just. But it's a. Fu- I don't. I love it. Like it's. You're not, you know, for a Christmas movie, that's what it's supposed to be. You kind of put something on my list, like, about happiness and love. And it's just, I don't know, Hugh Grant's charming, like, always in those movies. And I don't know. It's an honorable mention for me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. <clears throat> All right. On to our protein shake, where we go around and talk about what's in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately. And we got a fun one for you today. Uh, I've watched a lot of stuff. One, two, three, four... Five movies and four episodes of TV. One, I think we all know what we need to save for last, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll um, save that for last. <laughs> all right. How many things did you guys watch just so we can figure out how to dole this out? Banner. You tell me how many things you want me to tell you uh, that I watched, and then I can do that. Do you have like four or five? We can just all yeah. alternate. Okay. Yeah, I've got nine things. Some of them are going to go really, really fast. Others are going to not go as fast. <laughs> all right. So we'll each go, but Banner, when you go, how about you, you do two? Okay, I can do that. Uh, and again, actually, one of these you've already seen. So I'll just start with uh, Frozen 2. Went and saw it in theaters. Um, Hearing I, good things. I like Frozen 1. Um, I'm not like one of these people that's like absolutely obsessed with it. It's the greatest Disney animated film, like contemporary version. Um, Frozen 2 is good. It's a good movie. The animation is incredible. It has, I think, one and a half, possibly two solid bangers but i'll say this and other people i've talked to feel the same way i don't know if i'm really fucking stupid but the plot to this movie is so goddamn confusing like it's insane (laughs) dude i was sitting i sat down afterwards and my fiance and i were like drawing out on a piece of paper like the steps that the characters take in the film and i don't understand like anything that happens in the second act so if anyone else here has seen it or does go see it uh, we need to do like a spoilers discussion because I have no goddamn idea what happens in this film. Do they do let it go again? They don't. Good. Because every parent in the country probably rejoiced if they uh, just wanted to shoot themselves if they had done that song again. Yeah, I was hoping they didn't take the low hanging fruit and try to like do some. Do the same movie. It. Right, like a riff on it or something stupid. Uh, but I will say this the one. I'm not saying that the plot was bad. I'm, maybe I'm just stupid and I didn't get it. Um, but Banner, again, Olaf, blech. I can't fucking stand it, man. Get him out. Give me twice as much Sven and no Olaf, and I'll be I cannot him. fucking stand him. And worst. I tried, so my wife posed this to me the other day. She said, do you just not like Olaf because it's Josh Gad? Or, like, what if somebody else was Olaf? And I'll be honest, I, yeah, that's a big part of it. It's a big part of it. I think he would, it would, Olaf would be tolerable if somebody else played him. I would at least uh, look. I'll be straight up. I would at least give him a fair shake if it wasn't Josh Gad. No chance. I'd even give him the opportunity no. to win me back over. No. Uh, mm. All right, better to you. All right, so I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get all these like uh, quick ones out of the way here. Um, I watched said. Dinosaur. Obviously, we have Disney Plus. So Dinosaur came out in 2000. It's a movie. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Okay. Wait, I think uh, I've seen this. Basically, a dino egg gets lost, 
and it hatches, and this dinosaur is raised by monkeys. Okay. And then set in like meteor shower. Right? Do what? It's set in like 1995, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, no, it's like I don't know, historically accurate, I guess, as far as the time frame. Um, but then they have like meteors come, and they have to migrate and they hook up with other dinosaurs and it's about them getting to this place without the other dinosaurs eating them it's super fucking weird when you say hook up does it mean like a dino orgy kind of like at times there is at times there is (laughs) you had me at dino orgy Would you recommend it or how did you, you have to dig? Trust me, I've been balls deep in Disney Plus. You got to dig deep to find that. Um, I don't know if I'm embarrassed or proud that I got that deep. <laughs> I got to scroll along. You almost <laughs> Disney Plus is weird because like I don't think you could even scroll and find that. You definitely have to search. Yeah, you know uh, you was Dino Orgy in that movie. No, I know why it came up. We've been watching a lot of. Uh, like those nature documentaries because the baby likes them. And so I think it came up because of that. It's like, hey, it was one of the You Might Likes. Okay. Um, then after that, I watched The Good Dinosaur. I think I watched this not too long ago. Honestly, it was because it just auto-played after Dinosaur and I was too lazy to get up. Who voices The Good Dinosaur, do you know? I don't remember. Okay. I'll look it up. You look it up. Um, it's a good movie. It's cute. It was fun. And uh, that's no, dino say. no, no dino orgies in that oh one. God. Yeah. Wow. Losing me here. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw another one out there while you're looking up who voiced uh, the good dinosaur. Um, watch Brave for the first time as well. What is that's... it? I, I actually liked it. I liked it. I think that is it. That, is that a Disney movie too? I can never remember. Yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty safe to assume for the next probably six months, everything I watch will be Disney. Yeah. Sorry, real quick. is the What's the good dinosaur character's name? Arlo? Yes. Okay. Arlo uh, is the main, main dude. Raymond Ochoa voiced him. But Jeffrey Wright did voice Papa. Ah, yeah. that that I recognize that now. I always forget how much like voice acting Jeffrey Wright has done. Beast. Uh, we have Emma Thompson as a voice in it. Julie yep. Walters. I remember when I watched Brave, I found it overrated because when it was when it first came out, it was kind of up there with just how amazing it was and and top Disney movie ever. I think I need to give it another shot because uh, my wife I and think... I really liked it, but we didn't we didn't feel the vibe that everyone was putting out. There. Yeah, I think give it another shot. I, it's I think it's uh, it's a pretty simple story. I mean, it's. I remember it being like way different than I what I thought the movie was. It was completely different than what I thought it was going to yeah. be. I don't want to give anything away, but it's about family members fighting and how you always have to come together as a family. Um, Is it a musical? I yeah, there's a couple of songs. Like like not... they sing in it. Yes. Huh. With their little Scottish accents. Yes, and that they're sounded Scottish... really demeaning. I didn't. There mean are <laughs> they're little. <laughs> There, she has uh, triplet brothers in it that are fucking hilarious. Uh, they don't talk and they like mime everything, <laughs> and they're like 
little mischievous like rodents running around the castle. It's pretty funny. Are they like infants or like what's the age? They're they like probably two and a like two maybe maybe two and a half. Really young. All right. All right. Uh, Cycli, what's something you've watched? So I'm just going to say the one thing I watched on Netflix recently, and then because everything else is Disney Plus, like everyone else in this country, um, the end of the fucking world. I, don't know if I need to get, I need to watch the is next that a show because that keeps yeah. popping yeah. up. For- yeah, it's a show. It's a um, takes place in Britain. Um, of course. Yeah, <laughs> you know me. <laughs> and uh, so basically about two. I mean, the, so the second season just came out. So the whole premise of the show in the first season is um, you kind of have uh, he's not psychotic, but kind of. Um, he thinks he's a sociopath. Yeah, he's a sociopath. That's a good way of saying it. Like, he, he very much doesn't have friends. He's an outcast. His mom committed suicide while he watched when he was a kid. And he's, like, 17, 18 years old. And he doesn't really have any friends. Uh, he wants to, like, he's murdered animals. And he wants to murder a human. And then while he's plotting on murdering a human, the 17-year-old girl comes up to him. And she's really, like, you know, filthy mouth and kind of, like, cross and and will doesn't put up with shit and she just took a liking to him and basically it's just two outcasts who end up running away from home and kind of get on uh get into some trouble and and um and some i don't want to give any spoilers away because it's really good it's really dark it's funny um but it is i'm just very curious i don't want to spoil anything but i'm i'm very curious to how the second season starts so we'll talk off pod i will say it starts off almost immediate and it, it very much explains everything i thought the transition between the seasons was really good it like to lure me in because the way season one ends you do feel like there's a solid ending i thought there yeah i thought there was no way they can do yeah, anymore and i think they shame on me for thinking that i guess underrated how popular the first season was going to be and so maybe they didn't think there was going to be a second season uh, but i won't give anything away it is is really well done and it's super easy to watch i think there's only six to eight episodes in both um seasons and they're 19 20 minute episodes Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's meant to binge watch. And I I think it's fantastic writing. It's really original. The cast as well. The guy, he was in um, one of the Black Mirror. Black Mirror episodes. Yeah, I just looked at Alex Lothar. Yeah. And so uh, I absolutely recommend it. So uh, that's about it on Netflix, though. The Irishman is 100% in my queue. I just got to find three and a half hours. So on IMDb, it has the end of the fucking world as adventure, comedy, crime. What would you say it is more of of those three genres? It's a, that's a pretty good description. I would, when you say comedy, though, it's very dark, dark humor. Yeah, like it's not, but it's very much like some people won't find it funny. Like they, I mean, it's. it's I get. Is it like British dry wit? Because I like that. I, I, it has dry weight, but they're also into getting into situations. Again, I don't want to spoil anything, but they get into some dark situations. I mean, they're they're 17, 18 year old kids, again, who have kind of a weird way of looking at things. They run off, they don't have any money, um, you know, and the kind of the people they come across, and and they get in a lot of trouble, um, and and so basically, some of the dark stuff is just funny to us, so like what happens. But I can see a lot of people who think when they see comedy. I, this is not a straight-up comedy. You will laugh, but it, I wouldn't call it a comedy. It's like Coen Brothers humor where you laugh, but you're like, eh, should I be yeah. laughing right now? It's very much that kind of humor. I recommend it, though. Banner, I think if you like the first season, it, it, they do a good job of luring you in on the second. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. 
Uh, I'll go. So I saw another piece of Netflix. I'll just call it Netflix trash because that's what it is. Um, it was a Christmas movie called Let It Snow. I don't know if this has popped up on either of your guys recommended. It has Jacob Batalon, who's uh, Ned from the Spider-Man movies, like Peter Parker's friend. It has Shamik Moore, who is the voice of Miles Morales in Into the Spider-Verse. And then it has, I just wrote down, the chick who plays Dora the Explorer in the live-action Dora movie. And why, why, would you, why would you click to watch this? So the trailer actually looks really good, man. It's like, the, the point How is... How bored were you? It's, I was pretty bored. Uh, the plot synopsis is, In a small town on Christmas Eve, a snowstorm brings together a group of young people. And the trailer presents it as, like, Jacob Batalon is trying to throw this, like, sick-ass Christmas Eve party... And everyone's like trying to get there on Christmas Eve. That's like, so unrealistic. Christmas Eve, everybody's out of town. Yeah. Hey like, guys, come that's on the on worst over. time to try and throw a party. Well, I digress. Uh, it's really just like the whole movie, and I wrote this in our letterbox review. The whole movie is just like at the very end, probably like the last ten minutes of the whole film. Every character's arc is resolved in a way that just like makes no sense with the person we've been watching for the previous hour 20 minutes yeah mm-hmm. like they all just have these like really poorly written like ends to like their relationships with people or like tying the bows together it just it doesn't make any sense it might be it is based on a book banner that i've actually heard is pretty good so i'm interested to read that because this felt like they just didn't know how to take the pacing of a book and put it into an hour 20 minute mm-hmm. screenplay Interesting. Because there's scenes where they're like, please cry at this scene. And you're like, but you haven't earned earned a tear. Right. You haven't earned any of this. You don't just get my my tears. So let it snow. Don't watch it. More like let it know. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It's Christmas, dude. Have a little compassion. All right, Banner. Back to you. All right. Um... So watched a documentary. It's actually an old one from, I think, 2004, maybe 2014. Um, Empire of Dreams. And it's the documentary on George Lucas and Lucasfilms uh, creating the original trilogy, A New Hope, Empire, and uh, Return of the Jedi. I tried Uh, to watch this. It's just way too slow for me. Well, it's slow. It's like it took me like three days, three or four sittings to watch. It's long, It's like two and a half hours, yeah. Um, George Lucas is such a pompous douche. Like it, the way that he surprises no one. Yeah. Like the way that he is talking about how he went about getting the the movie made. Here's a quote that he says, he says, so-and-so, uh, believed in me and he goes, yeah, uh, they should believe in me. Like, like everybody else didn't. And that's, you know, egg on their face. Jar Jar is the key to all of this. That's it his was, best quote of all time. Yeah, it was not good uh, at all. But um, it was interesting. Like, I was interested in a lot of it when George Lucas wasn't talking. Yeah, the part that I saw, I got it, I got probably 30 minutes in, and they got to, like, how he got the first Star Wars financed. And then a little bit of interviews with Carrie Fisher. But it was just too many people that, like, I wasn't interested in, and they kind of seemed boring. Um, like, and then, I don't know. It's an interesting story, but I think it could be done in like 30 minutes instead of two and a half hours. Banner, would it did you... not need two and a half hours. Okay, so would you, like, between what the two of you have said, would you say it's worth it or just stay away and just take what you guys just said? And then... 
I mean, is there anything revealing that we really didn't know that you got? There were things that I didn't know, but I don't think that it was like because it wasn't public knowledge. I just didn't know that. Well, you know what I would want to see? And I don't think that George Lucas would ever do this because it would turn into a hit piece. But I want to see this same documentary, but for the prequels. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. I would that love would it. Fucking yeah, cool. I would love the one-on-one with Jake Lloyd. I would sign me up for that. They could call it I Am the Senate. I honestly want to see his audition tape because, like, there's no way they can match up. Like, I, I don't have, know if there's a way to cheat on an audition tape. I actually think I have seen it. It's that scene in Tatooine where he first meets Padme. It's pretty bad. Interesting. Basically or- just pointing out that they didn't fix it for the movie. Empire of Dreams, right? Because I'm not going to go yeah. back and watch. Okay. Yeah, Empire of Dreams. What are you saying um, about two? Go, I'm going to go ahead and do a couple more here. Live action Lady and the Tramp. It was fine. The CGI on the dogs was honestly subpar. And it's just crazy that I'm even like judging that because it's still incredible CGI. But when you take like Jungle Book and what they've done with Lion King and all of those, you're like, this is not, it's not good. Can I, can I jump in really fast? Because that's something I want to talk about is like the CGI with the new movies, live action, what doing with animals. Is it just me? Because I felt this way about Lion King and, and you and I talked about Lady and the Tramp. I feel like when we watch movies about talking animals in real life in the 90s, it wasn't this bad. Well, this is what I, I'm actually glad you brought that up. So like Homeward Bound, that's really the only example I can think of. They didn't even try to dub the animals mouths, remember? Like, no. It, yeah. They, so it was like their inner monologue. Would you prefer that to the CGI of them like talking? Like just no CGI, real animals acting, and then the talking is just like their inner monologue since the humans can't hear it anyway? I don't know. I mean... It's kind of lazy now, I guess. Yeah, yeah technology- it would be. And I think that we're just so used to multiple people talking at the same time and conversations. Like You would almost have to have subtitles on to know who's talking. Yeah, I think for me, it's just like what's killing me about these movies because I want to love them. I want to love the new Lion King. I want to love like Lady and the Tramp, but there's no, there's no like heart in it. it, it that's feels- well, that's what I said in in Lady and the Tramp. I have this written down is that there's no magic. Like when you watch the cartoons, and we went and immediately after watch live action, we watched the cartoon one, and it has more magic in it. Like yeah. that's the only How way. I could did really, the meatball like, scene? work at all with the spaghetti scene i mean yeah it actually did it worked pretty good and they didn't i liked it too because they didn't change anything they didn't try and fuck anything up uh i'm about 10 minutes into it i just started it like when i was at the gym i couldn't finish obviously but uh i, I got to the part right where sam elliott gets introduced and he's great and just he's, a little bit he is really good but he's good everything. Sam Elliott stands on the podcast so would you recommend i watch it yeah i recommend it yeah. Here we go. All right, real quick. Uh, the Imagineering Story. This is a docu-series on how Disney built their theme parks from the original Disneyland in California all the way through. Um, right now we're at like mid two thousands in the story, but uh, so up your alley. It's it is. Like I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's cool seeing how they did it, how they financed it, how the animation studio uh, helped fund things as well as was kind of the, the people that did the theme parks were always kind of the redheaded stepchilds of the Disney 
uh, companies. And so it was, it's interesting. Which is crazy to me. Right. And it's interesting too, like that they had a lot of struggles. And one thing I'm, I'm happy about is Disney did not shy away from the bad at all. in this. Oh, wow. That's impressive for them. Yeah. You'd never see that. And they, they straight up say, this is what happened. This is what we did. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. This is why we did it. Things like that. And you talk to some of the retired engineers that work for them, and they're they're pretty bitter at times. Yeah, I'll say this. Disney, man, it's kind of weird for a company as successful as they are because I feel like they're very insecure about their public image to this oh, day. Oh, yeah. So to, to hear that they kind of showed a little bit of the warts in it is a bit refreshing. Yeah. I uh, I was actually gonna watch this, and then I it's a show, right? Like you just said. Yeah, it's a-, a show, and they're they're like hour fifty five minute hour long episodes. Yeah, so I might just go pick out like the specific. Do I need to watch them in order, or can I kind of piecemeal? Do I need, do I need to? Uh, I-, I I would watch them in order because it shows they do something one way, and then they try and do it again, and they show how it doesn't work and why it doesn't work. And so if you miss the early struggles, you don't understand later on um we watched it in i think we did two settings per episode obviously it's disney plus so they're coming out week to week so we have to wait till fridays uh to watch it but i i really enjoy it it's not going to be for everybody but it's right down your alley though it is right down my alley and it's the year of the documentary so why not throw a good docuseries in there very true and I don't know where this one fits in, but The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Have either one of you guys checked this out? It's in my, like, watch list, but for whatever reason, I have not gotten myself to press play on it. Same here. You and it I is a great background show. Like, you don't have to watch it to know what is going on. Basically, Jeff Goldblum researches He's some, in it? something. Yeah, and it, it is classic Jeff Goldblum, too. He just like randomly starts singing jazz and bebopping around. Why does that sound so insufferable to me, even though I like him? (laughs) I don't know. That's what he does. Um, Here are the topics that he's explained so far. Sneakers. Ice cream. I needed some clarity on both of those, so thank you. Tattoos and denim. But he, you, you told me he doesn't like explain the history. Like, what, what does he? Doing? No, he he explains the history. Okay, he does. Okay, and then he like goes and finds like why these things are so so like sneakers. Why are people? Why do people love sneakers so much? Why do they have sneaker con? What what makes a good sneaker a good sneaker to different people? Do you think for the topics they just took like every noun and put them in a hat and he just drew them out? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. He could have got like bookshelves. I love the history of bookshelves. It's it's like I said, it's a good background show. You're not gonna sit down. They're quick. They're like 23 minutes. You're not gonna sit down and be like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next. No, you're gonna watch this in the background while you're doing dishes. I don't. Again, I'm kind of like I just don't know why I haven't gotten myself to press play on it, but something internally is keeping me from doing it. All right. <laughs> all right. I'm down to what we're all going to talk about. Yeah, I got uh, a few more left. So, Cycle, why don't we let you? I'll throw in just a couple. Um, you guys remember the 90s? I've always wanted to rewatch this movie. I don't know why. But when Disney Plus came out and I found it, I was ecstatic. Do you guys remember the 90s 
Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie, uh, Tom and Huck. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. I completely, like... I, I, I remember exactly what the VHS cover looked like. Yeah, exactly. And Yellow like, writing and no. him, like, on the little raft? No, white with red writing, you fucking idiot. Yep. Oh. And, uh... So, I... But you couldn't find it streaming anywhere. and probably could have downloaded it illegally, but, you know, I wasn't that desperate. So, when I found it, that was one of the first things I watched on Disney+. Plus. And, uh... I don't know if it stands the test of time, guys. I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas, you know, he, you forget he was the the guy in the 90s in terms of kid actors. It was like him and Macaulay Culkin. And uh, I think he was more popular than Macaulay Culkin. He, he was he was definitely more of the heartthrob. I remember like my cousin had po- po- uh, posters of him on the wall. Um, the bad guy is named Injun Joe, so that that tells you a lot. Well, that's his name in the book, right? Yeah, it's just but, uh, like yeah. don't you can't keep that. It's, you could in the 90s. Yeah, you absolutely could in the 90s. And uh, it, you know what? If you want some nostalgia, absolutely go watch it. I remember being like, I remember this scene. I remember this scene. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but it, it was fun. It is bad, but it was a good time. Uh, and so that's basically what I've been doing on Disney+. Plus. I've been obsessed with watching all the things I can from when I was younger that I couldn't find. You know, we're not talking about like Aladdin, Lion King, that kind of stuff. Um, rewatched a lot of Even Stevens, uh, checked out um, Smart Guy. Smart Guy, by the way, I have fun fact, and I did not know this growing up, it was not originally on Disney. It was actually a WB production. And three years after it was, or when it was completed, Disney bought syndication rights. And then 2001 to 2004, they put Smart Guy on is when like, people in our generation watched it. And it makes a lot of sense because if you go back and watch that show, they take on a lot of um, serious subjects. There's an episode where uh, the, the sister is wanting to get breast implants. There's, this, there's an episode where there's like pedophilia because he's a young Yeah, kid. I remember that episode. Like there are, and there's like race inequality, that kind of, there's an episode where like, yeah, they're black people are being followed and, and stalked when they go into a store in the mall. And it makes a lot of sense when you wound out like the show originally was not a Disney show. So um, that's actually that's held up a lot. Even Stevens, I, I was always one of my favorites. And then I went back and I, I kind of watched like the intros of all of the other ones like Lizzie McGuire, um, Kim Possible, that kind of stuff. So I've had a lot of fun just going. I was back never a Kim Possible fan. Really? I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I watched an episode of Lizzie McGuire with the fiance and I don't think there's a show that is better with a lower production budget than Lizzie McGuire. I mean, like, oh. some of the gags that they do literally look like they were filmed by, like, a high school broadcast. By the way, the little brother, Google this. I don't know. I've never seen anyone tweet this. I don't know if I'm the only one if I'm crazy. The little brother and the lead singer of Muse look identical. So just, just Google both of those guys and just tell me what you think. Um, there's a Lizzie McGuire show coming out, though. Yeah, they're like it's like a sequel show. Everybody's coming back, I think. Yeah, everyone's coming back, and it's gonna be really on point to uh, our generation, us millennials. Is it's gonna be her and her, like thirty-one years old and and dealing with adult life. So uh, kind of excited about that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've just been all over Disney Plus. I'm loving it. She's still hot, right? Oh yeah, she's definitely hot, dude. She was married to a, a professional hockey player for a little while. That didn't work out. My unfortunately. Was like kind of like gothic punk girl oh yeah tawny was that her name yep 
God, nice. I wonder what she's up to. Hit us up, Tawny. You know she's a big fan. A huge fan. What? We're all we're like right down Tawny's lane. Anything else? Uh, I mean the one big one that we're all talking about. I was gonna throw in on the last one. Uh, I talked about last year was um, you remember the show You on Netflix? Oh yeah, is that the Season sequels out? Comes out on, no, on December twenty sixth. So let's go. I'm super God. pumped. The way that season one ended, though, I'm like, oh, you're this like has promise, but you're probably gonna fuck this up. I'm right? absolutely needing to do a re a rewatch in the next week. The way season one ended was absolutely bonkers. Yeah, so like, great. Oh my god, I remember being like, they're not gonna do this, are they? And then they fucking they did it. Definition of a guilty pleasure show. Absolutely. It's so weird, like the way that you can frame honestly any show if you film it the right way. I will be rooting for the most fucked up people. Absolutely. Like the whole time I'm like no since I've seen, since Dexter. Yeah, I was like, please don't get caught. And then I'm like, this guy's doing some really fucked up stuff. Why am I rooting for it? Right. Why? Just because it's from his perspective and he's like pretty articulate. I don't know. All right, I'll run through a couple of these pretty quick. So a Christmas story, we talked about this. We did a commentary on it. And again, I was a little too harsh on it. And the leg lamp, I mean, that's iconic. I, I forgot to mention that earlier. Someone actually commented, um, Sorry, I can't remember who it was, but that their dad owns the leg lamp uh, on on our money. Like the actual leg lamp, or just a leg lamp? A like he bought a version of the leg lamp. My oh, okay. sister in Chicago owns one, and she has it on her on the like mantel window that goes the outside. The yeah, that's awesome. Um, the Mandalorian episode four of season one. Banner and I did our yep. review on this. We're absolutely loving the show. I have a theory that's probably 0% correct, but it's a fucking Hail Mary, and it would fix The Last Jedi. So check that out. We'll tease Definitely the- a Hail Mary. Yeah, but Hail Marys get caught. I'm on board with. Yeah. Alright. Um, I watched... God, I have a lot of stuff here. Sorry, I'm trying to run through it. I watched Knives Out in theaters. Uh, again, I hate to admit that I gave Ryan Johnson my money, but I was very, very intrigued. And the cast was awesome, and I love a whodunit. I think Cycle's a fan. I know Nate Thurman is a huge whodunit fan. Uh, I think Cycle is too. Oh yeah. And I'll say this about Knives Out, man. Um, it kind of—it's a good movie. I want one of or both of you guys to see it so we can talk about it. But Ryan Johnson kind of does again what he did with the Last Jedi, where he kind of like. Oh, you think this is like a whodunit in the typical format of like, we're going to set up all the dominoes, knock them all down at the end. He sort of likes to go against genre tropes or archetypes. And it's creative in a way what he does with this, like when and how you find out the reveal. Yeah, but don't fucking do it with Star Wars. Right. right. And so I, that's the thing. I guess this is like a better uh, venue to to take a creative risk like this. So in that regard, I appreciate it. But also in that regard like you already fucked it up with the last did it Jedi. work better this time around though it did and i actually think what he did to the whodunit and how you reveal who did it um was pretty creative and i think more movies will try and copy this because uh, i to my knowledge i've not seen a movie that does what he did with the terms of like how you reveal something to people i'm on board okay um real quickly i watched two episodes of the simpsons the first and second one um, I'm, this is on Disney plus, so I'm gonna try and go back through just cause the Simpsons is something obviously I'm very well aware of in the cultural zeitgeist, but I've never really, I know Cycling has probably seen a lot more of it than you and I have combined, but I want to go back through and give it a fair shake. 
what I would say is stick through like first season. It's like the first season of Seinfeld. They're still figuring stuff out. When they really like the golden the golden generation is season two through ten. Some will say nine, some will say eleven. I say that's pretty much it. But almost every episode is just. Pure. Either way, that's a pretty long prime for a yeah, show. It, that, and that's the that's the thing. That's why it's so silly than as bad as it's gotten now. Why it's always going to be considered one of the one of the greatest. So the first episode, Simpsons roasting on an open fire. I, I just could not believe, even for 1989, how bad the animation looked. And I don't mean that as a dig. I just mean like how far this shit has come in 20 years. And then the second one, Bart the Genius, is pretty funny. Bart uh, like cheats on an IQ test, steals Milton's IQ test, and he gets put in this gifted school. Um, and there was one line that I thought was really great as Principal Skinner is passing out the test, because this is like so emblematic of school and how it actually is. But he says, don't worry, this isn't for a grade. It just determines your future social and economic status. <laughs> and the kids are like, phew, thank God it's not a yeah. grade. Something you're going to keep in mind, there's going to be characters that change voice and characters that change color once they like Color? It. Well, I don't yeah. see color anyway, so I won't notice that. <laughs> yeah. All right, last one before we get to the, the part we've all been waiting for. On Disney+, Plus, I watched I'll Be Home for Christmas with the aforementioned Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Love this movie. And Jessica Biel is in it. This is almost a st- – this is like an every other Christmas for me. Yeah. I it, love it that It might movie. be in the rotation. And uh, it's a good movie. I had, of course, seen it before, but I forgot exactly, like, how he, the plot sets itself off. And it's pretty entertaining. It was a really, really quick watch. Um, and I don't know. I, lo- I love JTT, man. He's just – I wish he was still interested in acting. To my knowledge, he just got, like, sick of being in Hollywood, right? Like, nothing happened. Have you guys heard anything else? I No, I just no, – he just decided, too. like, once he was, like, a young adult that he was like, yeah, I think I'm done. I think I could be completely wrong because I know Macaulay Culkin was like this, but I think there was also, like, parent issues. Oh, like, yeah, like uh, taking his yeah. money like, and he stuff. Was of being, like, you know, torn apart. Um, But this has got to be pretty, like, pretty close to his last acting role. It yeah, it's nine- the last one that I remember him in, like, before I don't remember him in things. Does that make sense? Actually, I think it did. Yeah. God. I think it made it I think it made perfect sense. It's like the third time in three weeks that I've said something and I don't know if it makes sense or not, but then you guys <laughs> confirm that it does. And I love how we could easily look up if he was in something after All I Want for Christmas, but that's not, not really what happened. It's not our how style. Old how old was he? Well it was in ninety eight, I know that. So uh, I think it was early, like three years after Home and Probably Home. early twenties, maybe. Yeah, He's I mean, could... come back. You know what? How nostalgic everyone is in our generation. If he made a comeback, everyone would be all over it. So now that I have his filmography pulled up, dude, he was actually in. This is pretty cool. How did they not make a bigger deal of this? But uh, Tim Allen's new sitcom that just got canceled, Last Man Standing. He was in four episodes of it. Oh, you know, I oh, saw. Shit. Com- yeah, I saw a commercial about that. They should have made a big deal about that. Besides that, he was really like he did like a few TV spots. But nothing more than like a. Just enough to keep his beak wet. He did a movie in '99 called Walking Across Egypt, which I actually kind of remember, which is like a drama. But then that was it, man. I'm on board with his comeback. Let's start that. Put it on Twitter. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring him Twitter? back. We should definitely bring him. I dude, he's like so fucking cool. He's probably not on Twitter. All right. 
that brings us to the Coupe de Gras, which if you're at home, you're like, what the hell have they been building up so long? Don't worry, it will not live up to the hype. And that is, we're going to talk about High School Musical, the musical, the series, season one, episode four. HSMTMTS for short. <laughs> did you have to write that down? He did. You yeah. agree. I've been practicing it for three days. HSMSSTS. Um, all right, so... Like, Sorry, cycling. In text, I love writing out the whole title. Yeah, you have to. Just pay its respect. So before we, we get into the discussion, uh, if you didn't listen to... Was it our last episode or two episodes ago that we made I think it was the last episode. So our last episode, Banner and I made a bet on uh, EJ and Nini, of course, the couple everyone's talking about. Will they stay together? And we set the over-under at four and a half episodes, meaning they would have to make it through episode four and still be dating. Um, I took the under, Banner took the over, and we bet a Shiner cheer on it. And I'm, look, Banner is, if if he's a man of anything, it's his word. And I went over to his house over Thanksgiving break, and he actually gave me a six-pack of Shiner cheer for my birthday, and then three additional Shiner cheers in the event that he was going to lose the bet. And then on top of that, for some reason, he Venmoed me $5. <laughs> he was feeling really generous. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll just send you that back next time I see you. Um, but, Psycho, let's just start with you first because you haven't got to talk about it on the show. What are your thoughts of this series in general? Like, I don't even think we ironically like it anymore. I just actually like it. I love it. Yeah. So I, I got into the game a little later than you guys, mainly because you guys sold it to me. And uh, the wife and I really were reluctant, like, okay, let's just watch the first episode. It's going to be stupid. And then we can, like, humor you and be like, yeah, we watched it. We watched it. I think about five minutes into the episode, I look over, and I'm unironically, like, I really like this. Which, <laughs> like, fuck, I do too. Yeah, and... And it, I think it's because, you know, when you're thinking about it, because you look back at the real High School Musical movie, you know, it was, you know, it's just a Disney Channel original movie. It takes itself seriously. Um, the first the first impression you get is they know exactly what they're doing with the show. You absolutely. Know, they are, they're what here they're doing is the only way it would work. And it, it, absolutely. So I, I kind of sold a couple other people on it. I just said, just watch the first episode. Because that's what you're going to get with the rest of the show. If you like the first episode, it's going to be nothing but that. I have found myself literally laughing out loud more times than I have at other shows that are, you know, supposed to be, you know, hilarious. So I've been really, really impressed, unironically. Yeah, it is absolutely ridiculous. It is really corny. Uh, but but man, it I'm knows it's corny and it's like trying extra hard to be corny. I don't know. It's yes. kind of like a, the reverse Ryan Johnson, where like if you're like taking it more seriously than it takes itself, you are the one who looks like an asshole. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Where it's Ryan Johnson's the reverse. Like if you take it seriously and he's not, he looks like a dickhead. And not everything needs to be like some artistic masterpiece. Like this is this is exactly succeeding in what it's meant to do. It is it pure is entertainment. I mean, yeah. Completely. Every character in it is essentially lampooned for liking High School Musical. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're all made to look stupid because they liked the movie High School Musical. And the way they make fun of it, like, the, you know, RJ's a freaking co-water co polo captain. That's my favorite. Like, he's the popular jock by being a co-water <laughs> polo captain. Like, I love And even that. the songs they sing are, like, kind of meta. Like, borderline catchy kind of meta. You the guys one... talked about this, but the song that Nini and the co RJ's cousins sing... 
incredible. Is a group like that I was, was a pretty good song. An incredible song. I think all the original. I I listen to that soundtrack every once in a while of the original songs so far. But they're okay. So Banner, I know you and I love the original High School Musical soundtrack. They've kind of tickled our balls with like little bits and pieces of renditions of that, but they haven't given it us full on. Do you think at the end of the season we will see like? Pretty much, not the holistic performance, but like a pretty solid chunk of the performance of the movie. Of I'm the hoping so. I'm hoping so. Because they won't even show like, and I get there like, dude, if you saw the movie, we're not going to show us, you us reading the script again. But I'm kind of curious to see how these, like their take on the movie. If that makes sense. I think that's going to be the season finale, I bet. That's what we all want, man. They've already been picked up for a second season. <laughs> so what are they going to do, the second one? I don't this know. Get even more meta. They should just do this with like all of the Disney Channel original movies, but the same cast. Like they put on plays of all the. Like, I would smart watch that. House. Like Smart House and uh, Brink. Yeah, it's too easy. Cheetah Johnny Tsunami. Uh, so Banner, we just got to talk about this. EJ and Nini obviously did not make it. Um, How fucking close was I though? Well, so we had the debate because she didn't officially say the words, I break up with you. But when she blocked his number, we both, that was it. It was that was that it. point. That was the nail in the coffin. But I don't know. You, you said numbers like nothing and they unblock. I don't, I wouldn't say it's official. That's It's official. I mean, now if they, they can get back together, but they are right now broken up. You know, like you can't. I, I've I've waved the white flag. Yeah, I gotta say they're broken up now, and maybe that's because we're old and we don't get it. But that's definitely up. it too. Yeah, because people at home are like, "Well, what did he DM her Visco account?" And I'm like, "Dude, I, what the fuck even is that?" I, I don't know. So, are any of us surprised that they didn't make it? And like, where do we? Let's just make a prediction. Do they get back together this series? Because I still, Ricky's got a lot of emotional baggage going on. I made a prediction. I think he's going to move to Chicago at some point, either during the season or at the end of the season. Mm, I like that theory. Um, him and Nini definitely aren't going to get together, but they're going to reconcile. Like, so, they're going to be friends, but they're not going to get back together. I don't know. I don't know about AJ and Nini. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think EJ and Nini get back one more time. I don't know if his next episode, but is it going to be? They're going to at least kiss again, but yeah. it's going to be really short-lived. Like she'll regret it instantly, or something. Yeah, and then she'll realize that you know, you know, she he's not the one for her. Can I put a prop bet on the board here? Board here in Vegas, uh, EJ's cousin will hook up with the redheaded uh, stagehand. Oh, <laughs> I've been waiting. For I think yeah, it's like no. I think that she's going to hook up with Nini's friend. Nini's friend. The, no, the so black she, chick. So they're, oh, I didn't know they were lesbians. That I don't know. Th- sure. I don't know if they are. I'm just throwing it out there. Making so bold they, predictions here. <clears throat> Speaking of um, the redheaded kid who Ricky tried to stay the night at his house, let me read you the text exchange Cycling I had regarding him. <laughs> so Cycling says on Thursday, Quote, watching episode four of HSMTMTS and just died laughing at the sleepover scene with the sleep apnea machine and the noise box. And I said, dude, the noise of the baboons like killing each other. Why would that even be on there? 
that that's my been the, my favorite scene in the whole show so far. Like, it's like I a violent not... gang fight of monkeys. Like, how does that help anyone sleep? But I love they're like best friends, and it's first time ever to sleep over. He's like, oh, I got the sleep apnea machine. I got this. I got that. He's like, what the hell have I walked into? Ricky's like, I would rather go back to my house home that's being like internally torn apart, and my dad leaves chicken wings on the floor than fucking try and deal with this. I had a big problem with the chicken wings on the floor. Like, that's just nasty. Yeah. But the guy needs a sleep apnea machine. He's literally 90 pounds. I'm pretty sure sleep apnea machines are for, like, 300-pound 65-year-olds. I don't Maybe that's, like, basically what he is. Who I knows? don't think sleep apnea is discriminates based on your age or your wow, weight. I mean, in the movie Hall Pass, uh, I believe it's Jason Sudeikis' his character has sleep apnea, and that's pretty medically accurate. That movie. You know, I saw that was hilarious. There was some other show that I watched recently where a guy had like a ridiculous like white noise machine, and I think that is just a hilarious trope. Like something that helps you sleep that is just so counter. So I think I texted you guys this. Ricky is Atkins Diet Andrew Garfield. (laughs) Wow. That's true. Atkins Diet Andrew Garfield. Wow, shout out to Atkins Diet. It hasn't been around like a decade. (laughs) They're making a comeback with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything you guys want to add before we move on to the last part of our show, which we uh, actually missed last week, but the teacher's war is dumb. I hate that. I think that's stupid, but oh, they're going to fuck. I think he, he was moved by that song. And he wasn't even in the last episode. If I remember right. Episode four. He was just, no, I don't think he was. I'm, I don't think he was, but either I'm not way, trying to play like she's an imposter. She's not who she is. She says she is. So maybe there's going to be some reveal. I think there's going to be something going on with like whoever her dad is or whoever she keeps talking to on the phone. Do you yeah. think anyone from the original movie will show up? I bet you we get a cameo. Chad might. He's not doing a whole lot these days. Is that uh, – which one's that? That's the uh, the kid with the poofy hair. Corbin Blue, I believe is his name. Yeah. But he spells blue like B-L-E-U. Bleh. Corbin Bleh. I would love it if Vanessa Hudgens or Zac Efron came back, but I can't see either of those. They, they. I mean, I think Zac Efron would be down for it, but I think his schedule's too busy. I think Vanessa Hudgens wants nothing to do with. Uh, she's or, filming Bad Boys for Life, cycle, Okay, so she didn't have time either. <laughs> Jesus. All right, on to the last part of our show. Uh, Banner, did you want to ask us something first? You yeah, back. He, like, attacked the mic. That is our question and answer segment called Do You Even Lift Bra? Where we take up a question from the internet and we answer it on our show. Today's question comes to us from Regan Lovig at the Regs. And he asks, or she asks, I'm sorry if I got that wrong. I'm a fucking asshole. I should have looked at your avatar. Uh, The question is, what are some of your biggest commonly occurring pet peeves in movies? For example, one of mine is when someone hangs up a phone and it goes to dial tone. That never happens in real life. And I've actually seen this. That's super annoying. Well, I've seen this in movies with, like, cell phones where it makes no sense at all because your phone won't even have a dial tone. (laughs) This. Uh, Cycli, do you have one? Because I'm imagining if you do, it's probably going to be pretty hilarious. I have two. Um, The Wilhelm Scream is my number one. I love the Wilhelm Do screen. you? Okay. Because yes. it takes me... It, it absolutely takes me out, too. It and takes I, me out of it. Like, it's in Lord of the Rings. Like, I mean, it's in serious movies. It's not just like, oh, they're throwing a Wilhelm screen. I think I looked up the statistics. Since, tw- like, it's 416 movies 
or something like that the Wilhelm scream is used in. If you don't know what the Wilhelm scream is, you've absolutely heard it. Just Google it, YouTube it really fast. But it's the same guy. It's a recording from, what, the 40s? Yeah. And it's going, ah! And it's, it's basically like R2's scream, kind of. Yeah, and it's been used in just like, it's kind of nowadays, it's like an homage or like, like it's just paying respect. I don't know why, but it doesn't matter what, what movie I'm watching. The more serious, the more I hate it because it absolutely takes me out of it. The first thing I go is, oh my God, it's a fucking Wilhelm scream. And I just get distracted by it. Now, in other comedy movies, like when, you know, when action doesn't belong in a comedy movie and like some scene blows up, like in Anchorman, and they throw in a, the Wilhelm scream. I love it then. That's funny. But I hate it when it's a, it's a serious movie and gets thrown in there. Yeah, because I, for whatever reason, always notice it. Like, oh, yeah. You can't not notice it. Once you hear it. Once you done. know what it is, it's hard yeah. not to hear it. That's a really good one. I totally. But, yeah, I kind of appreciate it, but it totally takes me out of whatever I'm watching. Yeah. That wasn't like a pet peeve of mine until just now like now that you you don't think about now that you're like talking about it i'm like yeah that is kind of fucking annoying also can i like if you're an editor and someone's like put in the wilhelm scream i'd be like dude really like why there's i just don't understand its purpose anymore like does it cost does it save you that much money on budget it's probably more expensive yeah um, the Wilhelm family's fucking in cabo like thank you yes yeah yeah is this guy getting paid royalties i don't know um, and my other one, uh, I, I think I've talked to you guys this, about this before off pod. It's when rich people uh, lose all their money in the movie for some reason or another. And then within a day, their house is foreclosed upon. They have lost all the <laughs> And I'm like, that's that does happen quick. how it works. <laughs> like, take the Dark Knight Rises for a second. The house, he loses all that money in the, in the stock market. Let's, let's not even talk about the fraud that took place. But the bank immediately shuts off the electricity, the water, and forecloses on the house. Like, that house has been in his family for generations. Which... Exactly, you're telling me he had a 30-year mortgage, fixed rate? <laughs> and uh, you have yeah. to be two months late on a mortgage to get foreclosed upon. And how do they not own Wayne Manor outright at this exactly. point? Exactly, but this happens in any film like really think about any film where a rich person loses their money they immediately lose all of their possessions the credit card companies come to repo I'm like they actually owned that stuff like full stop they weren't in debt and the thing but, about the dark knight it's all stock so it's not even like his liquid assets like i'm yeah. sure he just had millions of dollars in the bank account not tied he up lo- he lost lots of little pieces of imaginary paper it's like everyone saw bane walk into like the stock market like no one's <laughs> like, oh. gonna get to the debate of what investigations were going to take place with the bank having the audacity to come the next day i, I just want to know what his mortgage is like it's been in his family for 200 years you got to be almost done right but yeah that, they if you, that's a, that's a big one for me i'm like that they don't even keep well they took out a 250 year mortgage cycle i don't i mean yeah their interest rate must have been just raping them because it was like <laughs> how are you guys still paying for this uh all right banner how about you all right so mine very similar uh to the telephone one but is when people are just casually reading a book it's 2019 nobody reads a book they either <laughs> read it like on their phone or a tablet <laughs> right but i listen to them it's different oh, okay. and uh most people are going to be like watching netflix or watching youtube not reading a book like that's come on it's just it's not realistic like Nerd i don't know I am perfectly fine with something not being real 
or like being imaginary or being silly, but at least make it believable. <laughs> I I just don't know how often I see that in movies, but I it would piss me off, I guess, in certain situations. Although sometimes it's like kind of creepy. Like if Hannibal Lecter was reading a book in like a modern day version, you'd be like, dude, this guy's a fucking psycho. Yeah, it could be used in like horror movies, I suppose. It what? Cycling? Oh, Hannibal Lecter with like a Kindle. Yeah. (laughs) Really wouldn't be as intimidating. He's playing like the word search app on it too. He's not even actually reading it. He's got like those like really cheap, thin like reading glasses that you get from Walgreens. That are never like up fully onto the bridge of of your nose. They're always like pushed down on your face. They're just like hanging off your nostrils. You got another one or just? Uh, No, that's it. Mine are pretty small. Uh, One that I really hate. You don't see this as much in movies now, but like movies in like the 70s and 80s, dude, it was bad. And it's when people are driving a car down a straight road and they're like moving the steering wheel back and forth excessively. Can you imagine like what that would look like driving behind that guy? Like, dude, get the fucking in the middle of the lane. And when they're driving or go faster. Right. Yeah, it's it's just swerving all over the road. And whenever they're driving, too, not only that, but, like, they're never looking at the road. They're always looking, like, at whoever they're talking to. That stuff actually makes me nervous in movies. Like, I'll get, like, tense stuff. But, dude, can you you watch the road? And I'm not even in the car with the guy. Another one, uh, dude, this happens way more often than it should. And it's, I understand completely that sometimes it's character or plot serving, but a lot of times it's not at all. And it just really bothers me. And it's when uh, two characters are having a phone conversation in a movie and one of them says, I love you. And then the other person doesn't say it back and hangs up the phone. It happens a lot. I get a phone call immediately calling back. Like what the hell? Uh, Did you not hear what I said? I love you. Uh, yeah, no, I heard you. I just wasn't going to say it back. What, do you not love me? No, I absolutely love you. Okay, so what's the problem here? <laughs> probably happens more in, like, real uh, life. Ray's Anatomy. Yeah, to me, in real life. I just thought of one really quickly. That made me think of one more. When a, <laughs> when a character goes to a bar and they just order a beer and they say, I'll have a beer. <laughs> yeah. Like, that doesn't happen. Just... Like, or, like, I, when... When bartenders like slide your drink to you, no, no one in the service industry would ever do that. I'll have the regular. I'll have the beer. like they never ask a question. They're always or like, they order the beer and then immediately leave the bar. That shit's like pay. seven bucks. Yeah, they never pay. They don't have a sip of their beer and they walk out. You know what you rarely see too in movies? Somebody walks into a bar and like real life, we have to fucking wait behind seven people. They normally can just walk straight up and order. And the like, bartender knows them and has their drink ready to go. Yeah. If only life were like that. Yeah, you go to a bar now, and you're like, what's up, man? He's like, what can I get you? I don't know you. You're like, okay, we had a really important talk last weekend. You got me through some shit, but I guess we're going to do that now. All right, before we end the show, Cycling, what do you want to leave the people with on episode 95? Uh, I'm Merry Christmas to all, and to all good night. Oh, that's nice. No matter when you're listening, go to sleep after you listen to this episode. Unless Banner, you're still driving. Banner, I know you got Old Faithful locked and loaded. Anything else you want to add to it? Nope. Nope. But please, please, please pull over for emergency vehicles. I got to say, this week I did not see anyone not pull over for an emergency vehicle. Good. Is... See, we're changing the world. Yeah, but ne- I mean, who knows? Next week I might see it again. 
these fucking psychos out there on the road. Probably because these people are driving like the guys in movies where they just move. That, that's exactly what it is. So maybe maybe movies are realistic. God damn it. <laughs> All right, for our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli, and the mad scientist, Brian Banner, I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro4 Squad Podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. I know we'll talk to you again, but hope you have a great holidays. Follow us on Twitter at Bro4Squad. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Just type in Bro4Squad, three separate words. Type in those same three words on letterboxd.com to read all of our movie reviews and check out everything that we do on our website, Bro4Squad.com. Till next time, we need to go say I love you to someone on the phone who will not say it back. And then when we hang up, then it'll go eh, like the dial tone. <laughs> Dude, all I, or I'll be home for Christmas is so old that uh, a big part of the plot point in the beginning involves uh, pagers. I remember that. Because his pager died. Well, these guys are cheating on the test.